G'day, everyone. Quick message before we start. What we're trying to do with this podcast is to help people better understand their mind and how it works and give people practical strategies they can use to maintain and improve their mental health. Would you consider helping us to continue to do that with a financial contribution, large or small? If so, thank you. Just follow the link in the show notes. All donations, $2 or more, are tax deductible. Hello and welcome to Minding Your Mind, all about your mind, how it works, mental health, mental illness. I'm with Professor Ian Hickey as always, psychiatrist and co-director of the Brain and Mind Centre at the University of Sydney. Today it's a contest, empathy versus sympathy. And spoiler alert, Ian's view is that empathy is better. What is the difference between empathy and sympathy? Which is better for helping people generally, or specifically those with a mental illness. So empathy is defined as the ability to understand and share the feelings of another. It's about you understanding what they are going through and kind of in some way sharing it. Sympathy is feelings of pity and sorrow for someone else's misfortune. You know, it's more like poor you, you poor thing. In practical terms, which is more useful to express? Someone going through tough times, their boyfriend dumped them, their father died, they're experiencing anxiety or depression. Should you aim for empathy, sympathy, or something else? And how do you actually be empathetic or sympathetic? Sympathy is kind of easier. I feel sorry for you. But understanding the feelings of others, I mean, that's pretty hard, isn't it? No one really understands what another person is going through. So do you kind of have to guess and fake it? Ian, you're a fan of empathy, not so much of sympathy. Why? Because it's essential to human connection. And I'd suggest it's it's essential to effective support for others who are in states of distress in, in my world. Uh, states of psychological, you know, real distress, impairment, dysfunction, etc. So one of the screening tests for, you know, entry to our profession, we sit around, we try and go, you know, we interview people, we discuss with people, are they going to be any good at it? Those who appear to lack empathy, we go, look, uh, have you thought about another career? <laughs> you know, mm. Have you thought about another area of medicine that you might wish to um, spend your time in? Because you're really not going to understand, you really don't appear to understand in an emotional way not in a wordy cognitive way, but in an emotional way, the situation, the emotional situation the, that the person finds themselves in. You have seen to have a little capacity. Now, if you have a tremendous capacity for that, it can be a little bit overwhelming. You know, if you are so empathic that you experience the emotionality of others, but you really can't control it. You've got to draw boundaries, don't you, so you can go home. You've got to be able to control it, yes. Yeah. You've got to be able to keep it. But if you don't get Or you'll it, burn out, won't you? Well, likely to. You'll be overwhelmed. You'll be overwhelmed by the emotionality of others. You'll be so connected with it. Particularly if you're a psychiatrist and you see eight people a day who are going through really, really tough times. Yeah. That's like empathy really, is a terrible thing. <laughs> no. Well, no, because it's not that you experience it alongside them to the same degree, yeah. but you get it. Have you ever been, this is a good question, do you ever hang out, James, with people who you feel really get you? Yeah. Not comment on you, but they really get you. They make comments that make it really clear 
that they've understood how you are in a situation that others really don't get. Yeah. It's a really interesting sometimes. experience sometimes. <laughs> often? Not that often. Like, I mean, Not I, that often. Yeah. So I mean, empathy. But, 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 but it's a big ask. Like I can think of times where people, I remember someone said to me when I was in my 20s, oh, for sensitive people like you, and I had never, ever previously considered that I might be in any way more sensitive than others. And they said it like it was the most obvious thing in the world. And it was a a huge, uh, a hu- huge moment of understanding for me. Yeah. So some people. Yeah. Yeah. Some people who just know, they just cut to the chase as to what it is that you're really experiencing. Okay. They just seem to get it more. Yeah. <laughs> they, they seem to be able to, if you like, classically put themselves in your shoes. Yeah. And understand, therefore, your behaviour, your response in a different way than those people who sort of observe and draw their own conclusions. Or what we started here with, just sympathy. <gasps> if I see another politician, you know, turn up at some particular event and express, you know, their condolences and their whatever else, and you're thinking, you know, they're laying it on superficially. They're appearing to be sympathetic. We're all sympathetic to something bad that's happened to somebody else. We're all yeah. sympathetic to the victims of a bushfire or a flood or a disaster. We're sympathetic. We turn on the evening news. We're sympathetic to everything that's happening to people. Are we? You know, yeah. You know, we might, some some people will sort of shed tears for what's happening to them, but do they really care? Do they really understand the situation in which those other people find themselves? I'd suggest often not. Sympathy is easy. And I think sympathy in a kind of emotionality. So you sometimes see people who are in tears or they're, you know, whatever, they appear to be expressing a great deal of emotionality themselves. But are they really understanding the situation of the other? So sympathy is common and I think commonly mistaken for empathy. So, so would this be the difference? Say, pretend something bad's happened to you and tell me, just briefly. Pretend something bad. Yeah, like say, what you mean by that. Well, tell me some bad news. You've make it up. Well, you can't think of anything. Your life's too good. So no, I mean, let's it, say, let's say, no, no. Let's say I've just learnt that one of my kids has cancer. So sympathy would be, I guess. Oh, Ian, you poor thing. Oh, I feel so sorry for you. That's so awful. And I maybe empathy is more. Now you keep going, keep going. You'd say, oh. If I was in that situation, that must be terrible. I'm a parent myself. You know, you'd say a lot of stuff that sounds like yeah. you understand but, but would empathy, my response. Would empathy be, what do they want from me? Like really thinking about that and saying something simple like, how are you doing? How's he doing? Just something simple and like No, like it, would, invi- it would go one step further. It would yeah. go one step further. It would be to understand what my, Ian's response to that situation is. In what way? Am I responding to it? And then to say something about my response. Now, while, while I was struggling a little bit with your question. Yeah. Because right, your life's the, perfect. The, Nothing ever no, goes wrong. No, because <laughs> the thing has to be really sad. <laughs> For those who know my life, you know, <laughs> I think Honourable Daughter Number 3 might suggest that my life's one car crash followed by another. Right. You know, <laughs> Dad, would you just like stick to the, stick to the plan? <laughs> um, stop going off the road. It, it's understanding what that person's response to that situation. So we could all probably imagine, or we imagine in our own head, what it would be like to have your child have cancer. You might be able to try and guess what your own response would be about one of your own children. Yeah. That would that would be your response. And you might be sympathetic in that sense. Oh, that's a terrible, oh, 
course, any parent, any parent in that situation, that would be terrible. I'd feel sorry for any parent, yeah. what they're going through, what they're going to go through, right? That's sympathy. That's not, Ian, your situation, your response to that, not understanding what my – No, but that's Someone who knew I me said, really well. That's why I said – Mm. That's why I said, how are you doing or how's he doing? Because I want to give you, I'm thinking, what's the best thing to say here? I want to give yeah, you the opportunity, you, like you've opened the subject mm -hmm. up. So mm -hmm. I want to give you the opportunity mm -hmm. to say more about it. And I don't want to ask you a narrowly focused question because I don't know what particular areas you might want to discuss or not. So I just want to ask you a big open right. question. How's that would be doing? excellent yeah. If you were a counsellor, say, if you're a counsellor or supportive person or just a friend, yeah. that would be a really good question. Yeah. But that's not empathy. I passed. Oh, really? No, no, no. no but that's finding yet. out more. That's Well, well, that might help you. Okay. But if you, knew me, if you knew me well or you're observing me yeah. and you were really empathic, yeah. you, you wouldn't ask a question. No, well, you, you, you'd say something. <laughs> well, yeah, well here's, the, here's, the, here's the trouble. Neither of us is in that situation right at the moment. Yeah. Okay, but if you knew me well and you were someone close to me or you understood me, you'd say something Assuming about I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you'd say something about my. You'd understand how I feel, what? what I'm experiencing at that, and you'd say something which indicated that you understood that. Okay, like, like what? Way so I've beyond. just told you that. What would you say to me? You know me reasonably well. No, no, well, no, no. Well, <laughs> uh, this, here's the trick. Here's the, here's the problem. Yeah. I'd have to see. I'd have to see. Yeah, you you'd have to see in that situation. Yeah. To know to get an idea from the way you've changed, you're speaking, you're reacting, to understand how you're feeling about that right now. Yeah. So I'd guess. I'd guess right, knowing you, that you'd be anxious and concerned, and you know, fussed about what happens next yeah. and what are we going to do and whatever. But that may not. That's a kind of global guess based on kind of knowing you in one particular way. Yeah. But you might be feeling some tremendous sense of dread or some tremendous sense of loss or, you know, what you're actually feeling. But And I don't know if you've ever had this experience, but if you if you were people who just say stuff then, that just goes right to the heart of how you're feeling and they go, how did they know that? How did they? That's you know, pretty hard. Like I think I'm. very hard. I think I've got it's a reasonable emotional intelligence, but that's pretty hard. That's why I it reckon I reckon the best way to get there is actually rather than, you know, have an educated guess, my kid's got cancer, okay, I reckon this is the thing I'm going to hone in on. If you just let them, give them the opportunity to talk a bit because it's been whirling around their head and they want to talk probably and ask them some open-ended question, then you'll get an idea of, of what the best thing you can say is. So that's uh, that's what as I just technique, said. Yeah, as a technique, that's absolutely true. So if you ever find yourself in a you know, counsel's office, psychologist's office, psychiatrist's office, I hope they do a lot of that. As we say all the time, the one great question we teach young psychiatrists is, "Could you tell me some more about that?" Yeah, you know, <laughs> like you know, like and give yourself time to listen, to observe, to see their emotional response, to see how they describe the thing, to try and then have the – this is actually – And by the way, the second right. the second big question is, can we talk about this more next time? <laughs> yes. Time's up. I'd like to continue the discussion next week. For yeah. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, that's true. I'm glad you said that. That's true. If you're in one of those things where you 
the counsel psychiatrist doctor asks you 55 questions in 45 minutes, that's not as useful. In fact, sometimes when people say, Ian, you didn't ask, you didn't ask them anything. I said, exactly. I wanted to hear theirs and yeah, I was exactly. watching, I was observing, I was listening. I didn't want to ask 55 standardised questions. And that's a pretty so good model for a friend in distress too, I reckon. It is. But then, but then, okay, okay, that as a technique, you're absolutely right. That's what you should do. And not just espouse, oh, well, if my kid had cancer, I know I would feel like this or I'm feeling like this about your problem, not helpful. Mm. But but the really empathic person does, they do that and then they say something or they indicate something or they do something. For example, did you see those pictures of Jacinda Ardern after the uh, mosque attack mm. in New Zealand? And, you know, in one sense there was a performative aspect. She kind of dressed and she put on a headscarf and whatever else. But then she did things. The way she hugged people, the way she interacted with people, I don't know if you had a strong sense of this, but I have a very strong sense of a really smart, empathic response. I think why people loved her in the world. They might not have loved her in the political, economic sense, but loved her in different ways that mm. she connected with people. She did things that you would not necessarily predict, and they certainly weren't just the positive. They seemed to connect with people, and then people seemed to respond to that. I just to pick a public figure who seems to have be oozing empathy. Yeah. Compared with the average politician who'd be oozing sympathy. In those situations, people go, oh, oh, you know, didn't want that. That's not helping. It doesn't help me to have people express sympathy. Yeah. What I need is people people who really relate and provide warmth and comfort and connection in my times of greatest distress. Mm. This is why empathy is so important. Like if you can do that, if you can connect with people in their times of greatest distress, it you know, it relieves the burden for them. It connects with them. It keeps them connected with the world. So it's no easy thing. It's no superficial thing. And I think it's not that often encountered. We hope in the relationships we're in and those we're close to that sometimes they get it right and sometimes we get it right and yeah. it keeps us very strongly connected. The people who get you, how many? this is a really interesting question, I think, you know, how many people really get you? How many people really understand? As distinct from how many people comment on you, talk about you, believe you must be a certain kind of person. Mm. Go, not really, you know, like, like whatever, you know. I mean, in one sense, in a very superficial sense, James, you get out and you do, you know, emceeing, you do public performance, you do stand-up comedy. So you must be kind of extroverted, low anxiety, must be whatever. Yeah. You go, no. not really. <laughs> no. <laughs> you obviously hardly know me at all. You just see the superficial and misinterpret. Well, in an emotional sense, people say, you know, I know why he's. I know why he's distressed. I know what's upsetting him. If I have one more person tell me why they know why I'm upset about something, I go, "That's not it at all." Yeah. So the empathy thing. Um, it's pretty hard, though. It's hard. But, you know, but I think you said that it's really hard. It's much easier if you let them tell you, and then you react. To it, I think sympathy feels to me like you're imposing your own agenda onto a discussion with someone in distress. You're saying, "Oh, you must." Totally, yeah, so I totally agree with you that sympathy yeah. is your is your view. You arrive with the butter knife and just put it right over the toast. Yeah, you know, you, oh, you that know, must be so response. bad for you. You must feel terrible. Da da da. Whereas really, you're just trying to work out what do they need from me. That's empathy. Or worse, it? they tell you. They tell you they know how you why you feel what you feel. Yeah, and they tell you and about you go, sometimes something similar happened to them. Oh, you know, yeah. my kid. Once I lost had a cold. my job. I lost my job. My kid broke the leg. Last time I was in hospital with my kid, it was like this. I mean, people do that all the time. And you think, yeah. oh, my God, shut up. They're, they're trying to express. They're trying to express connection. 
I've been in a hospital emergency department with my kid. I've been in a hospital ward with my kid. I'm, you know, my, you know, I've been in the same situation. So I know how you feel. I know, understand your response. No, you don't. And and, and the trouble is, we do this even with people we care about a lot, and, and we assume that we're on the same emotional level. We, we assume we've emotionally connected with them, and we haven't. So just taking your example further, James, because I kind of like this. So you do all that, and you listen, and you and then. Then what do you do? So they they unload part of what they do. Now, here's the serve and return bit, okay. <laughs> what are you going to do with that? Ah, is the next thing you say or the next thing you do going to actually connect with them and connect with their distress? Yeah, this is a really hard bit. And it's you working bet. out what they need. It's what do they want from me? What what can I do or, or say that will provide some benefit to them, not just make me feel that I'm a good guy because I'm there. I supported them. Absolutely, it will connect with them. Okay, so this emotional connection bit. I've oh. understood. You, you did the right thing. You've created the environment for that connection. You have created the environment. You did the right thing. Now, but you've got to return serve now. You got to, and you've got to try and get the ball in the court. Okay, it has to be something. <laughs> That so I genuinely it, connects. You know, say for ex- the example, they tell you their kid has cancer, you let them talk, and then you, you're trying to work out, do they want practical suggestions from me? I, like, do I know anyone who can benefit Unlikely. from them? Unlikely. But possible sometimes. Do no, no, they- we go to the emotional connection here. I mean, the practical stuff. I, I'm oh, sorry. I shouldn't disagree with you. There, there may be other things to be done, practical advice, yeah. support. But on the emotional level, going for empathy here, it's an emotional thing, right? In this moment of great distress in their life. Well, maybe they just want a hug. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And if you're on the phone, a verbal hug. Maybe. Yeah. It may be. So this is where I go back to the Jacinda Ardern example and whatever. Like, and, and you've got to be the sort of person who can do that. You know, we had the famous example of a prime minister trying to shake hands with people in a bushfire and people going, go away. <laughs> you know, you can get it wrong. You know, you can think that that was the right thing to do, but you got it wrong. Yeah. And people, some sometimes people do not want their personal space invaded. Yeah, that's right. You know, other times in the right situation, it may be an exact, and I'm glad you said that because I was hoping you'd kind of say that. Sometimes it may be something entirely <laughs> nonverbal. Sometimes it may be entirely nonverbal, but it's the right moment to connect. Yeah. Others, it might be some statement that really does indicate that you've connected with them. So just take the parent with cancer situation. I, I think there are lots of different parents in that situation will feel lots of different things. There is no right answer. <laughs> the question is for them at that moment, which which would indicate that you really connect with the distress that they are feeling. I, I also think, and I have a friend who's particularly good at this, uh, it's good to skew optimistic. That is when someone is sharing some really bad news with them, they are usually skewing in their own mind pessimistic. Someone's just got diagnosed with cancer. This is awful. They might die. Am I going to be able to cope? So it sometimes I think the best thing to say to them is, "You are going to. I know you're going to rise to this, and you're going to be everything they need, and and just kind of give them." as much as you can, some sense that you believe in them and they're a great person and they're going to handle this. Because that's, that's what I you doubt. Them. Whenever there's a crisis, you start doubting yourself. Yeah. So that's that's a different thing. That's, I'm glad Isn't to that, say that empathy? That, that's not mm. – no. Damn. That's, that's, 
<laughs> but it's also not the other one. It's not sympathy. Yeah. It's not. Uh, I'm dishing sympathy here, right? Yeah. I know. So what you what you what you described was a kind of very supportive, very supportive approach. Yeah. To sort of friendship in that situation. So yeah. uh, I'm not dishing what you just said. I, I think that is a very useful thing to do, but it's not empathic. So what it, what is? Well, this is where this is where you got to know the person. Yeah. Okay. This is where. Lots of people, I mean, lots of people obviously face the diagnosis of cancer. I mean, lots of doctors have to share with people the diagnosis of cancer. Okay. And there isn't a, a stock formula to that. There isn't a thing, but some do it really well. <laughs> some do it really badly. But you see, you don't have to know the person because if you're their doctor, then you don't know them that well, probably, particularly if you're a specialist. I used to host an evening radio program on the ABC. And I used to be really interested in getting people. You were very good at it, can I say, James? You were very good at it. Thank you, Anne. Uh, I used to really enjoy getting listeners to tell interesting stories about their lives. And some of them were painful. And I used to feel whenever, and it was nighttime, right? So people are more likely to open up at night. But I used to feel that I was on an absolute tightrope, that if I said anything that suggested I wasn't listening to, you know, a personal story about, you know, their mother or their relationship or whatever, they'd clam up and they wouldn't want to say anymore. And so it was listening really hard and kind of reflecting stuff back at them, like just saying, gosh, that must have been, you know, really hard for you. And of course, I didn't know them. I'd never met them. They were just a voice on the other end of the line. But I think, so I, I guess what I'm saying is it didn't feel, maybe that you're going to say that isn't empathy, but it it felt like I was trying to understand them and draw them out, but it didn't feel like I had to know them to do that. I just had to be kind of listening and human, react in a human so, way. Yes. Oh, I like that. Yes. Empathy is at the essence of being human. Yeah. The essence of, of genuine human connection is empathy. So the process you were just engaging is absolutely the right one. Now, you don't know people. I mean, you don't have to know people really. What's the worst thing in the world is to know people really well and and to get non-empathic responses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> I don't yeah, want to right. dwell on family and relatives and other things that we have. People know, oh, I've known you for 30 years. And I go, yeah, you've known me for 30 years and you still haven't got a clue. Well, if you, you know? want to see a good case study of that, watch Succession and see the relationship uh, between the mogul and his children. Uh, no, no, no emotional uh, connection by the looks. Yeah, well, that, I, look, that's an interesting thing. People watch that show and series endlessly. I couldn't stand it. I loved it. There you go. Yeah. We'll have to go with the <laughs> What, you love the harshness of it, the terribleness of it? I guess so. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I love the in- intricacy of it and the ruthlessness of it. Ah, oh, the human – well, he's going to go, I hated it, right? Okay. The human, trage- the human tragedy of yeah, it. Yeah, sad. Okay, like just and, – and in fact, the lack of emotional warmth, yeah. the manipulativeness, the – the use of it, kind of like just the nastiness of it. Yeah. I mean, as pointed out, great acting, great productions, great whatever, but just the nastiness of it. Yeah. In the world I'm in, it's it's trying always to find the other. So you said a really important thing. Often very empathic people, I found this in my own life, sometimes people I know don't know very well and I think don't know me very well say incredibly insightful things about me. Yeah? <laughs> you know? Yeah. They picked up something about me. That's not so obvious to many people who know me really well. I often say, for example, I mean, this is a bit not quite there, but 
as I often say, people don't realise that I'm fundamentally a shy person, like I do. But I have a lot of behaviours and a lot of activities and whatever which appear to indicate the opposite. <laughs> okay. Now, people who know, whatever, some know, but but some people detect that very readily, even though they don't know me very well. <laughs> so they're detecting something about me, which is much closer to my emotional life, to how I am, than a whole lot of people who know me really well, sort of know me really well, but don't really know me. Mm. We what some people understand very quickly sort of things that make me angry or make me frustrated or elicit kind of more harsh responses from me. They get it, they get the why of that. Mm. Like why has that provoked me? They're not necessarily people who know you really well, but they quite accurately pick up <laughs> that thing and name it. I think, boy, how'd they know that? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you know, 90% of my behaviours would not appear to be consistent with that, but they've picked up the true bits. Mm. So coming back to the sensual thing, you, you've described very accurately the processes. So just the, the, the parent with the kid with cancer, you know, for example, discussing earlier on, it might be that the parent in that situation is really fearful or they're already experiencing the loss or they're really concerned about making the right decision for their kid. There's something about the thing that's really at the heart of their response right at that moment. Or they might be in total denial about the thing. You know, they might be, it's not really true, it's not really happening. They're just, they're detached. We discussed dissociation recently. recently. They're really detached from the thing. And and somebody somebody names that or responds in a way that indicates they understand that. Real human connection with the situation the person's currently in. Now, of course, in the mental health world, this is critical of understanding or being close to where the person is really at despite a whole lot of other behaviours. You know, the really angry person who's actually really distressed on the inside, we often react against the anger, as unlike the sort of distress or disappointment that really sits behind it, what's really hurting them. But their outside behaviour appears to be right. the opposite. Yep. Those kind of things. So so it really matters in the fields that I'm in that that people get somewhere near the target. You know, when they, when they respond, after doing all those things you said, <laughs> listen, respond, and encourage, that whatever they then reflect back is somewhat near what the person is really experiencing, which then says, okay, okay, I'm being understood. Whatever's going on here, this other person, whatever, somehow gets how I am. Mm. And it can be hard and we're not, we're not good at it all the time. Like I don't think I'm that good with a lot of what I would generally call angry young men, <laughs> right? Yeah. I tend to be more. I tend to be more confronted by the angry whatever else, and I, and I tend to back off more. I find it hard to put myself or connect with the situation where they're coming from. With anger, it can mm. be hard across cultures. It can be hard across age groups. It can be, you know, there are other factors that come into play. Uh, the more the more you've not had or you've not been close to those experiences yourself, you might find it really hard. Yeah. Uh, do you think we've done? Uh, do you think we've explained it here, or do you think we've more? You're looking, you're looking more confused than ever, James. No, I'm just wondering how. I mean, anger is a really interesting one because anger, when someone is angry at you, it goes to really primeval, primeval. I know is that the right word? Basic things: flight or fight. Someone's threatening you. You want to arc up yourself to push back at them to give them the message that this aggression from you, you know, is not appropriate. So you stop it. And it's very, very hard to be empathetic when someone's being angry at you. Do you have any? Very. How, how, would, how do you do it? Well, here's where you get it right or wrong. 
right? You might get it really wrong. So the empathy problem is a challenge. What people tend to say is, I know why you're angry, and then they give some rational explanation for why you're angry. Which you isn't know. useful. No. But no, what else do you do? Point. Like what do you do? So you've got to try. Well, do you know for that person in that situation yeah. what is the emotion that sits behind their rage or their anger? Uh, well, like the, the, the anger is usually the behaviour directed outwards at something else from the internal distress. So what could the distress be? Fear? Yeah. Uh, feeling unloved, maybe? Yeah, yep. It's, glad you said that one. It's going to be an emotional thing. Yeah. It's, it's not going to be, you know. Now, you've been in courts and lawyers and all that kind of stuff. You know, and people in bad situations, they get really angry about stuff. Stuff happens. Frustration. Yeah. Did you ever get in those worlds that it wasn't about what they said it was about? You know, it was finding themselves in that situation. I mean, for example, when people have done, done crimes, they've done particular things, and they're, they're really disappointed with themselves. Well, they're angry yeah. at the system, and they well, they're, they're yelling at the system. Externalized blame to others, uh, whereas perhaps well, let's take the family court. They're angry at stuff. People yelling at I mean, men, lots of dads I met in the family court kind of situation, and you know, mm. the real issue is you well, know, the breakup. The, well, the breakup of your own family and everything you invested in is really hard. Yeah, I mean, I can, you know, if you're angry that your ex partner is demanding that she keeps a particular painting. Are you really angry about the painting or are you angry that no. your ex-partner doesn't want to be with you anymore? No, you just you just yeah. no, no, you're really you're really upset at but the breakup in the relationship. Yeah. And that turns into anger. So, yeah, you go blame back to yeah, he, go she, back to that. Yeah. Yeah, so this would be that, that's probably a good example and one I think many people could relate to. It's not about the painting, it's not about the property, it's not about something else. It's the hurt and the disappointment at the collapse of that really intimate relationship. You're really hurting. You're really hurting at that time. And then and then it will depend because it's different for different people in different kinds of ways. Yeah. What you really need is you really need someone to connect with the distress that you're feeling at the collapse in the relationship. So, so rather- or the, or the abandonment in the relationship. You know, some people will feel more abandoned. So they'll feel betrayed. So whatever that, whatever the emotionality is, it really sits underneath. So forget the outside, forget the painting, forget the property settlement, forget the fight about the kids on the weekend. What's the thing they're really feeling underneath, which is causing great distress, which is playing out and causing havoc? Mm. And and you know, of course they they might be aware of that, or they might be not very aware of it. And so not very aware of it. it not it can be the therapist or the friends' job to kind of help them get there. Like it must have been bad when when things ended. How did you feel? Are you still feeling that? Those sort of questions. Yeah, well, not even questions. It might even be statements. It's really hard when the most important relationships in your life fall apart. Yep. And it's a stress that doesn't go away and it continues. Wow. You know, it's really, really you know, yeah. sort of stuff. It's sort of stuff that moves moves from the – Circumstantial, or superficial, the what's going on to just go right back to the. That was really good, Lucy and I rock solid. But I almost felt like crying when you said that. So yes, you're right. Even though it's not even relevant for what. Okay, relevant. so let's imagine. If let's Lucy imagine and us. I had had a fight last night, okay. I'd be in tears yeah. now. So let's go to that, like because this happens in relationships all the time. Can you? And in fact, in important human relationships, I'd suggest 
it's important times to people often talk about how much dispute they get in over the little things of everyday life, which are do all the transactional things. Yeah. At times it's important to shed all that, wind all that back. And it might be in a, in a physical way, and people do this through physical intimacy, or it might be just in a sense, as I was trying to do then a minute ago, just stop talking about all of that. Right. And, and on, in a positive way, how important the key relationships are, how the other person makes you feel, how essential it is to yourself that that relationship continues, how fundamental it's been. So I, I make the often question, I make a comment, which is true. People think it's superficial, but it's not superficial. I'm a better person than I was as a consequence of the relationship I'm currently in. Me too. You mean you're, you're in my relationship yeah. over mining your mind? Is that what you're talking about? <laughs> oh, undoubtedly. Undoubtedly. <laughs> no, I, but, I, know, I, I get it and I agree. I am too. With yeah, my partner. And there are, yeah, you. and... Uh, although I have a somewhat, uh, I say, well, a patriarchal relationship with my kids, I, sometimes with my kids, I try and now they're adults, try and emphasise how much of a different person I am because of my connection, because the way they've changed me. Mm, yeah. You know, and try and get back to this essential nature of the emotional. So, so sometimes it helps. <laughs> it helps a little bit if you can express part of that yourself. It helps people to then connect with you. Yeah. But we often don't do that. I mean, we often have all these other you know, onion skin. We've got all these other skins. We've got all yeah. these other external things, all these other transactional things, and we don't get back to that bit. So, you know, in the profession, I mean, the good thing about the profession I'm in is that the real question is not to hear all the external stuff and whatever, it's to try and try and get to the middle of what it is that that person is feeling. You know? Yeah. Now, the person I live with, I'm very fortunate with Elizabeth, you know, people tell me all the time, Compared to me, what a great psychiatrist she is. <laughs> <laughs> Must be irritating. Oh, so irritating. <laughs> but but what they're saying is she, for the people who know her, right, she's good at picking up some of those things and yeah. then reflecting that. And then people feel really understood. Yeah. As a consequence of that, they may be then more prepared to work with the things that need to be done. Now, of course, it's not, I'd say this, dearest Elizabeth, it's not always true. <laughs> we all miss the mark. So we try our best, but we don't always get it. Yeah. And this is the, uh, so, you know, even those of us who sort of value this sort of stuff, it, so it comes to another thing, can you learn it? Can you practice it? Can you teach it? I think you can to extent, and, and, Something you said earlier is a good model. So when you said someone who's angry about their relationship ending, you said it must have been really hard when that happened. And I guess what you were doing then is kind of imagining yourself in that situation. You are in a relationship, so you can imagine it. But even if you weren't, you could imagine being in a really important relationship, having a family and suddenly being told that wasn't available to you anymore. And you, I guess it's almost something similar to what an actor goes through, to put yourself as much as you can in their shoes. But initially, particularly if you don't know them all that well, not be too specific. Just say something kind of a bit general that gets them in the direction that might provide some insight like, as you did, it must have been really hard for you when that happened. And you're just saying, I hear you, it must be Tell me more, basically, but you're doing it with them. Yeah, you're going before you're going beyond that. You are actually going to. I'm trying to put myself 
in your situation, you're indicating to the other you're really trying to not tell, say what I I'm trying to yeah. put myself in the situation that you must be in emotionally. Now, I can't yeah. be you, but I'm trying to kind of get closer to where you might be. Yeah, you exactly. Bet. Now, I hope I get somewhere near it, and I hope that what I do, do in response to it is somewhere near it, which then encourages the other person to go, well, you're close, <laughs> but you're not, you know. And then they'll tell you a the, bit more, and that'll help you get Yeah, closer. and then you may then be able to work towards, yeah. towards a more genuine understanding of where they are at. And what's really interesting when you do that and do some sort of professional work is to find out you weren't as close as you thought you were. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, you might have been in the ballpark, but you weren't really. And and then that takes a lot more effort then. And then you go again. You don't. Then you go again, and then the person may give you more indication of, and, and as you, you quite correctly uh, pointed out, James. Then they may provide you with more information about it. Yeah. So the thing here. It's not tell me how you feel, right? Tell me, tell me, no, 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 no. Tell me how you really feel. No, 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 no. Because often people themselves are struggling with the emotions that they've got. They're not really sure about what's happening. To them. Yeah. Do you find yourself? Do you find yourself? I find myself in tears variously about various things, and I don't really know why I'm in tears. Mm, sometimes, like there's a behavioural response to the. Th- oh yeah, definitely. But I don't really know why. I don't really know. You know, suddenly I've got this emotional response to something, and I've got to think. Mm, I've got to think myself. Yeah, actually, that happened to me the other day. What's that about? (laughs) It's an ad. It was a mental health ad about two people, two middle-aged men at the football, and um, yeah, I I was watching it literally walking down the street, and I just (laughs) started crying, and I, I was trying to figure out why, and it was because of the misplaced bravery people feel in trying to cope with difficult things on their own. They feel like they're being brave. Right. Yeah. Right. Hmm. That's really interesting. <laughs> there yeah. you go. It is. Hey, um, and as was that, so that's empathy and sympathy. You can get better at it, but you've, I guess you've got to really zone in on the other person and really listen and really try and understand them and prompt them towards telling you more. And if you get it wrong, Try again. So Hang in there. Yeah, hang in there for the emotional human connection, you bet. Yeah. Uh, if you've got any questions or comments, uh, if you want to suggest further topics for us, please send us an email at mindingyourmind2, mindingyourmind2 numeral two at gmail.com. And our podcast is supported by the generous philanthropic donations from families who support ongoing research into youth mental health. Further help's available from Headspace Beyond Blue Head to Health and Lifeline. Google them. We can call Lifeline on one three double one one.